0: But coming up on today's Licked and Loaded, I'm so delighted because I'm obviously obsessed with her. It's La Ganja Estrange. She came out on season six of RuPaul's Drag Race like such a fireball. La Ganja Estrange. cannabis. Uh, TV presenting, brand collaborations and brand sponsorship, social media influencer extraordinaire. La ganja estranja, darling. In the flesh, right here on my computer screen. Welcome to Licked and Loaded, I'm Laura Desiree.
1: Hi, baby. Nice to see you again. At least through the computer screen. I know. It's such a
0: heartache, because all I want to do is jump through and hug everybody I know, and you can't do that right now. And pass the joint, too, right? Pass the joint. <laughs> I want to pass it, because it's the best when you share it. Now, Lagaja, last time that I saw you, and really our only time actually meeting, was, get ready for this, viewers. I know you're all going to, you're going to be shook when you hear this, was the Pornhub Blush Carpet. Pornhub yes. Boards. yes. What were you doing there at a Pornhub Awards blush red carpet?
1: Well, you know, as the only female illusionist, I was there to represent for the LGBTQAI plus community. And I really wanted to support my brothers and sisters who are in the industry. I am all for sex positivity. I think uh, sex work is work period and should be seen as such. And so I just wanted to be there to support and show people, you know, in person, But this is something I love.
0: But where, whose idea was it to make an intersection of drag and porn? Who put that together?
1: Where do they? My my stunning publicist. (laughs) He's brilliant. You know, I've been working with Matt uh, from Hello Drama PR for over two years now. He's really just become my dear friend and he's always looking for creative outlets that really need more representation from my community. So, um, I'm not for sure exactly how he finagled our way into it, but it was so awesome to be there. I was dressed in my s and rope dress from head to toe, honey. Um, and it was so much fun. I really loved it. The award show had such great production value. I mean, Bad Bunny was there. We sat next to his publicist. We kiki with her the whole night. It was, it was so fun. So I loved it. And then, of course, I had plenty of friends who were taking home awards, too. So it was Awesome.
0: Yeah, you have this way of making people feel like they've automatically had their best moments of their life with you at some point. Aww. You came down the carpet. I was like, oh, I haven't seen her in ages. And we had never met before. That's yeah. just how it goes with you.
1: You know, I think it's just the way I was raised. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and my mom and dad were high school counselors for 30 plus years. So they just raised me to be really friendly and welcoming and opening to others. And uh, I think also had had something to do with growing up in the country. You know, I wasn't in the country, country, like you think of, like horses. Mm-hmm. I was in Dallas. It's very much a regular city, but the mentality is definitely different. And I think, you know, had I grown up in LA this kind of vulnerable exterior that I walk around with with pride, I don't think I'd be able to have that because this city will eat you up, honey.
0: Yeah. And I love that you say this vulnerable exterior. My goodness. with The minute you made your entrance through that, you know, workroom door and drag race, you knew exactly who you were. You know, you came in as a complete brand. How long had you been working on that? And how do you begin to package all that?
1: Well, you're gonna be shocked. I had only been doing drag for about a year previous to filming RuPaul's Drag Race. I, you know, went to college and got my BFA in dance and choreography. But while I was doing that, I was definitely playing around with drag. I usually would get in drag at Halloween because as everyone knows, that's the one time that's acceptable for men to dress up as women and not get made fun of. And even though I'm at an art school, right, this is going through my mind because I'm from Texas. And so halloween you know i began exploring this art form and it wasn't really until i graduated and did a amateur drag show Mm -hmm. that this became a full-time profession for me that kind of happened by happenstance the prize package for winning the amateur contest was to be a regular show girl so i literally once i won the competition had to have a new act ready every week and so i always say drag chose me i did not choose drag i really wanted to be a broadway star um, and still, and still will be. I, I have all all faith in that. But um, I've learned to blow with the wind and to just kind of go where life takes you. I think that is the most enjoyable way to enjoy this journey that is life. And so I'm so thankful that I opened my heart to this art form, to doing drag. Obviously, being on RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, completely changed everything I had experienced before that. Before that, it really was just fun and. I mean, I was making 50 bucks a night at the the nightclub. So it's not like I was rolling in money by any means. Um, It was truly just a passion. But um, I think what you saw on TV was like you said, very much packaged. I have always been for rehearsal. You know, I grew up in musical theater, so you rehearse for weeks before you put on a show. So the same thing for me with the television show. You know, I couldn't rehearse everything, but I did rehearse how I would enter. I did rehearse certain catchphrases that people heard. And I think that's why some people thought I came off as fake because it was contrived. But the truth of the matter is it was all contrived from me, mama. So it was me through and through. I mean, the fact that I even planned those things I think speaks to who I am as an artist. So that's why I've always been like, you know, I am a try hard and I'm proud of that.
0: It's interesting cause I was just watching uh, Dancing Queen, the Alyssa Edwards series on Netflix, which you that's show up in a couple times. And it really gave me an understanding of exactly that level of professionalism that you're talking about, that rehearsal, that that mindset of make sure you get it right and keep doing it until you do. So I'm yeah. guessing that's that's your background as well then, right?
1: Yes, I definitely think my dance and musical theater training played a huge part in the person that I've become. Um, I just feel like as an artist, if you don't have some sort of prep work, it's really hard to be your best self. I mean, some people—that's what they thrive on—is in the moment, live reactions. You know, Bianca Del Rio, the queen that won my season, that's what she does so well. But for others, it is about a planned practice that is then performed, and I just think that's you know who I am and. Not that I want to go back, but if I were to ever go back, it would be very difficult for me to not do the same thing. To keep really? The, yeah, because that's just who I am. Like I said, it, it would just be so hard for me to not have ideas going in because I'd want to have the merch already in line. I'd want to have a single ready to roll. Like I think of already like a business when I'm coming to my art projects. I think of it like that because, hey, if you want to make money off your art, you got to yeah. think that way. So I I would want to plan, you know? But you're also a weed
0: advocate. And I would imagine that planning is the last thing that comes natural to, you know, anyone. I'm not giving a bad word out there to stoners. I'm one myself. But it's just
1: interesting that you've got this beautiful balance. Well, speaking of, Mama, I hope you don't (laughs) mind. But I think it's time I light up some lime sherbet, you know, to go with my stunning background since we're going to talk about cannabis. Oh, we're gonna and be the real all- gagger is I don't have a lighter near me, so I'm just going to use my dab torch to light it up.
0: Ooh, of course, the dramatics. You planned this. You, whoa
1: boss bitch moves darling
0: you planned this holy hell i really did
1: i i just looked and realized i don't have a lighter so i have to use the torch
0: <laughs> you're just so much you're such a ball of energy it's so fun already and i have a million directions i want to take this in but well i love it take me in all of them honey i'm oh, very good. versatile when it comes to that and yeah, that's no, buckle up buckle up it's happening So when you're talking about being this person who likes to pre-plan and make sure that they're uh, executing with excellence, you're also focusing on how to be an original. You are an original, you know what I mean? Like you didn't, it wasn't like it was season one drag race and you came in and you had the chance to introduce the public to what you do. We've now seen so much of it because of the popularity of drag race. How on earth do you start to create an original brand how did you put this together
1: well I think first off nothing's original it's all been done so it's all about how you do it in your voice and make it either different or better or both um, so for me I, I am a huge on trial and error I've learned pretty much my whole career in front of the public eye I mean everyone saw in season six I was a little immature and had some things to work on and i've had to do this in the public eye and i think for me that's really forced me to be accountable Mm. and i love that you know i love the fact that i have something that's exterior to hold me to what my interior motives are because i always want to hold myself accountable but it is hard to do that when you're trying to pay the bills be an activist you know straddle the dance world and the cannabis world it's it's a lot so there are things that like fall through the cracks but because I have such an incredible support system of what I call buds, because mm. I'm all on brand, um, you know, I've been able to really grow and learn in the public eye. And I think that's kind of what you're witnessing, because it's just like, you're like, well, how'd you do this? It's like, well, I learned this. Yeah. I mean, and even this, as much as I love this, I know there's 10 ways right now, what I'm wearing, what I'm doing, that I could still improve. Yeah. And I think that's just innate to the artist that I am. You know, a lot of people when they complete big projects, they celebrate. That's one of my faults, is that once I've completed a project, i have already so far into the next project that I rarely celebrate my triumphs or my successes. Yeah. And just recently I was working on my, my reels, because I'm trying to get all my reels together, dance, cannabis, modeling, acting, and television personality. And it's made me you know, look and really look at all my work over the last seven years, I think I've been a drag queen now, I think so. I started in 2013. The show aired in 14. We're now in 2020. I don't know. You do the math. I think it's seven years. Yes, uh, But it really, I like started to cry and the editor was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I just, I never give myself the credit for my worth. And I think that is ultimately what you see because I'm always behind the scenes. Like, I mean, right now, let's like, for instance, I'll just do it right in front of you. This dress is so cheap. It's a $20 dress. I got it at Santee Alley Mama. Oh, it's, it's very cute, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, I dream of one day being in couture, having it hand rhinestone and embellished, and not made in a foreign country that I only I can afford. You know, I I love couture. I love this idea of handmaking. but mama, I ain't got the bills for that. Mm -hmm.
0: So, you know, there's
1: just always things I'm looking to improve. And I just think that's what people see. And that's why sometimes they say, oh, she's a try hard because it's true. I'm always trying. There is no sort of like, well, just relax and be yourself. I'm like, but this is myself. I want to cry. i ride, I've said know? this
0: before. I've said it on a couple other podcasts that I've done. I'm the same way. I meet a lot of people constantly doing red carpets, doing interviews, whatever I'm doing, traveling, whatnot. I always hear from people, I can't wait to meet the real you. I can't wait to hang out with you outside of all this. I said, this is me. You know, I'm going to be a quick talker. I'm going to have some, you know, real sharp opinion that's going to come out real quickly, you know? So- You're saying, I I suffer from this as well. I don't like to stop and look back and see what I've accomplished or celebrate it because I have to keep moving. I know there's more that I want. What do you think your hesitation is to stop and slow down and maybe celebrate some of what you've accomplished?
1: I think I am such a momentum type of gal. I believe in the snowball effect too. Like when you do one job and you do a good job and somebody else in that job will get you another job. So I'm I'm just a believer in this idea of the cycle and Mm -hmm. moving forward. Um, So for me, I think it's not so much a fear of looking back because I definitely, you know, have mistakes and learn from them and have no problem being introspective. No introspective introspective. the cannabis is kicking in um but i just think for me the biggest thing about looking back and slowing down is that i'm afraid it will stop the the vibe the mojo the juice you know and i don't want that to run out so i'm just so concentrated on the next one and i think a lot of times the reasons i don't really celebrate is because A million girls have done this. Do you know what I mean? Not even just necessarily in the drag world, but a million girls have been on several television shows and been very successful and been artists. And even though I am in a special place, I do acknowledge that in my mind and where I want to go, I'm only like here on the ladder and the ladder's out of frame, you know? So I just think that's why it's hard for me to look back because I want to move forward.
0: It's the hustle. Some of us are quite aroused and addicted to it. I am. I love, yes. I love when I've just got too much going on that I I won't have a day off. That's what keeps right. me going and I think you're wait, are you what a, what sign are you?
1: I'm a Capricorn.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: No, it's very typical, apparently, that's Capricorns are like this.
0: Because right, I'm an Aries, and so for me, I'm like, next thing, let's go, fire, confidence, all that shit. And that feels very much like you, but you're a spicy one. I like that, you know? But I
1: also, like, before I ever move on, the thing has to be completely done. I've super perfected everything. I've
0: gone in and analyzed it, you know? Mm -mm. I I double check shit. I go out there and I'm like on to the next thing. I'm sure it's great. And that's where I usually get into trouble. But the hustle is irresistible. And you're talking about the ladder being out of sight to see what that final destination is. Do you have any bit of an idea of where you want to see yourself at what you define is the ultimate success?
1: Sure. Well, I also think you can't ever define success. Right. If, if, if I do, I wouldn't be happy in the current life I have. And I will be very honest with you during this pandemic, it has been a very spiritual awakening and I've realized and humbled myself and, and been so grateful for everything I do have. Because like I said, even though this drive is there and I want it and I'm ready, it's so important to find success within yourself, what that means at every state, mm. you know? Because if you're always defining this ladder, that's why I said it's out of frame. Because for me, there is no limit. The sky's the limit. I want to direct a Cirque du Soleil. I want to have my own dance company. I want to star in films. I want to star in television. I want to have my own book. I want to have a perfume line. I want to design my own clothing. I want to have my own dispensary. I mean, I just, there's so many things that I feel like I can do as an artist. So for me, that's why I don't try to like put a cap on it or say like, well, when I have this, then I'll have reached that. I mean, I do a little bit. I always say when I have an infinity pool, I'm good. Like that's really, truly a thing. Like I really- How far off are we right now from that happening?
0: Oh, we're pretty far.
1: Oh, we're pretty pretty far, far. yeah. (laughs) She's pretty poor. She's pretty poor, but she's happy and she's uh, invigorated and excited and those things lead to that, you know? And I also feel like if I'm 70 years old and I have that pool, then great. You know, obviously I'm hoping it's at 40, which is in yeah. nine years, but I just know for me, the journey has to be worth it. And that's mm-hmm. what I really discovered in quarantine is that all these struggles and the comparing myself to other artists and why am I not there and this and that is taking away from the beauty and the joy that I do have because the mm-hmm. things that I am doing, whether they be the most paid or not, they're really good. And when you can feel happy about the work that you're creating, I think you Don't care so much about the money. I mean, I'm lucky. I finally found a group of friends that I love. My best friends and I, we just got tattooed yesterday. When you put our three hands together, it says always, we're that gay, yes.
0: Are the tattoo Um, shops open or did you gather for stick and pokes? uh,
1: No, it's our friend. We traded a photo shoot for for some free tattooery. But you know, it's taken me a long time to have three people that are, or two people that I would ever think of getting a tattoo with as friends but like it wasn't even a second question in my mind and it just showed me like okay you've really curated a good space good friends a good work ethic and now all you need is that last thing to really take you to the next level which is going to be either my own financial success or a funder a sponsor you know
0: that's what I think is so important to remind yourself of I mean we put so much pressure on the relationships we build when we're in middle school high school even college and university but you're still doing growth at that time you know what I mean I I think the friends and the people that you truly are are getting that nourishing experience from that shit happens when you've had some time to figure out you Learn about of-
1: like, what kind of friends you need, you know? Yeah. Like even during quarantine, this was a big time for me to shift the friend group too and just be like, okay. Yeah, that's been- aligning with what spiritually I'm aligning with or emotionally.
0: Yeah. How how different is the dream as you continue to chase it? You know, you think about that those early days of dreaming about being in Los Angeles and about being a star. Well, you're now underway and this is happening and this is in motion. How much does the dream change?
1: I think for me, the dream just keeps getting bigger. Yes. That's the change that I see. You know, the, the next level, it's like, okay, I worked with Miley Cyrus. That was incredible. Okay. Now I want to work with a celebrity, but actually choreograph it. Like, even though I did choreograph Miley Cyrus's thing, but don't get me started on all that. So then, like, you know, now I've worked with Heidi Klum and choreographed her show, Queen of Drags. And so now, or sorry, I choreographed for Germany's Next Top Model, the finale. But then I went on to her show, Queen of Drags, as myself and performed my own choreography to my own song. So it was like that's how the dream keeps building, right? Like, and that's why I say the snowball effect is if you do a good job, you're kind, you're care, you know, you care. You really take your job serious, but not too serious because you still want to have fun, right? No, you need People to. People want to hire you back and work with you and, and see you for even more than maybe their original way they hired you. And yeah. so that's why for me, the dream just gets bigger and bigger because I'm every time I do something, I just feel like I'm that much closer to finding another door to go through. You know, even in quarantine, it's like I wrote my first ever play. Wow! I didn't know that I could write a play. And then I also like bought all these crazy stage lights and a a lighting board and learned how to like actually control the lights and work the like spotlight and everything and programmed it all into my board. So like I never thought I would do that you know what I mean the dream was never that I would be able to run my own lights but because quarantine forced me to and allowed me to you know I discovered this other dream I have now which is like to be able to do all the jobs that one day I'm going to hire someone for to have at least enough knowledge to know the terminology, because I do want to be involved. That's how I think I've gotten to where I am today. I've been very much involved in my career. So going forward, I think, like I said, if I want to direct a Cirque du Soleil, I kind of got to know how things work.
0: And supposedly they're, they've they gone under. You know what I mean? Did you hear about that? Supposed- I did.
1: I'm, I'm devastated, but I'm still, I, it's still my dream. And like I said, just because that's happening now doesn't mean when I'm 35, 40, 47, 52, that they won't be back and I'll be working with them.
0: Yeah, can you remind everyone who watches this that age is not, you know, uh, an inhibitor to your dreams and chasing them? Because I need to hear that.
1: Well, I believe that 100% because if, if we really believed the other, we wouldn't be in Hollywood because everything in Hollywood tells you once you're past 30, right? You're, you're no one's young spring chicken anymore. You're only gonna get character roles or this or that or that. And I just don't look at that. I've been so blessed. I mean, my two best friends that I got tatted with are, well, one of them is much older than me. And, you know, it's not a problem. It's, I've never I've never looked at age, you know, even as a young kid, I grew up in musical theater, right? So all yeah. my friends were much older than me and were actors in the play. And I was playing the young kid in the show. So I right early on learned like, okay, age is a number age is a mentality and either you're one of those people who think age defines you or you're one of those people who thinks maybe I'm ageless priceless you know so that's where I go with it
0: I I wish it was as simple as just a switch in my head I'm working on it right now That once you enter your 30s which I did well it's also very
1: different to be a female
0: oh my god I'm
1: lucky because I'm a faux male you know (laughs) so it's like my beauty is so different than what they expect of you know cis women
0: where does love fit in in your hierarchy of needs and in your life today
1: right here sis uh, this I'll- is my my first boyfriend come here and this is oh. my second boyfriend oh, oh she- who is that this is little dabbers my adorable sleepy baby who has definitely helped me through quarantine yeah um you know i'll be very honest since i became a drag queen it's been difficult of course to have a partner yeah i think even more so once i discovered that i consider myself non-binary and began expressing that uh i think it just made it difficult because when you're a gay male usually you are attracted to other gay men Mm -hmm. and so since i'm not identifying or really treating myself as a gay man anymore i feel very much someone who exists between both spaces i love the feminine pronouns i feel very comfortable uh, with my femininity meaning i wear dresses outside of drag i wear makeup outside of drag um it's just hard to find a male partner that finds those things attractive because like i said they're gay men so they're attracted to masculinity and plaid t-shirts and sports and smelling like a man and things that i am just so not so I think what's really great is the way that we're moving in the conversations that are happening around gender is we're finding there are people who do find people like myself attractive they've just never had the confidence the courage the words the ways the know-how to explore express any of that Uh, so I just think again it, it comes with time patience is definitely something that I have had to learn it's something I struggle with just like you were saying it's It's not a switch in our heads, but it is a practice going back to rehearsal. And if you can keep these thoughts going in your mind every day and really work with them, I think it becomes that much easier. You know, people always ask me, how'd you become so confident? And it's like, I literally faked it till I made it. Yeah, I I was so insecure. I mean, I still am. Who isn't? But one day it's like, I really did finally just believe myself and was like, oh yeah, I am confident. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy how that happens. So I'm a big believer in, in, in practicing the things you want to happen.
0: And like, it really is an everyday battle to fight for the person that you truly are. You have to be doing that every single day and we're constantly confronted with it, especially in showbiz, especially, you know, people are gonna wanna challenge that, see where you're gonna break, see where they might be able to mold you. So to stand for yourself is a daily battle when you're gonna be front facing to the public like this.
1: Yes, to stand for yourself and to then be willing to make mistakes and grow. Yeah. The thing, you know, you got to stand for yourself. You got to stand behind what you said. But also if you fucked up, you got to be like, well, I fucked up and I'm sorry. And truly yeah. mean that. And then do the steps that it actually takes to be sorry.
0: Well, what's okay. the, what you say is the responsibility of, let's make it specific, uh, drag queens today. What's the responsibility, especially if they have large following platforms like yours?
1: You know, I can't speak for everyone at large, I can only speak for myself and how I feel about what it is to be a drag queen in 2020. And that for me is, you have responsibility. You have responsibility to be socially aware Mm -hmm. and to be, if you're not speaking on it, to be doing actions behind the scenes to help on it. Um, And that can look in so many different ways, right? I mean, that can look like donations, that can look like volunteering. That can look like educating your own racist white family at home. I mean, there's so many different ways and that's why it's hard for me to say like, well, this is what you should do if you're a drag queen. You know, I think we've seen recently with BLM, there's a real call to action on online platforms, which, you know, I've been exercising that right long before BLM was in our headlines as a a topic. Um, But my point is that I, I guess I had to, I don't even know what my point is on that.
0: (laughs) marijuana uh, baby yes well yeah. done.
1: responsibility of queens today so many people I are know, that's what I was gonna say like so for me i do i feel a huge responsibility um you know my best friends the people who i work with on the daily are of color and so for me to not speak out on behalf of them for me to not acknowledge how i've played a part in this how i've turned a blind eye to this i mean you know, It's something that I really have taken very seriously because it means something to me. It means something to me to care about others. Yeah. Can I say that's what you have to be as a drag queen? I can't because you know what? There are plenty of drag queens who don't care about others, who are hysterical, and they are amazing at what they do. Right. So it's hard to say you know, what you should do. I just know what I do and what I care about and what I will continue to do. And that's using my platform mm-hmm. for something bigger than myself, which has always been cannabis. But now moving forward, it is, you know, I think if you haven't shifted your platform to focus on BLM right now, you're, you're part of the problem. And Mm -hmm. so that is a huge cause of mine right now that I'm focusing on trying to do artwork uh, or, you know, online gigs to give back to those communities. Um, And, and that's because I care. I don't know. That's, I just feel like that's, that's who I am. That's who my parents raised me to be. I wish every drag queen was like that. I wish everyone felt comfortable to speak on anything, whatever they loved, they felt like was, you know, bad, but specifically BLM, you know, I I have been sad to see not more girls come forward and really try. And I think it is this big fear of making a mistake. Because I know most drag queens and they do care. But, um, you know, it's just different. It's so hard these days with social media to say what is right and what is wrong. I mean, I think cancel culture is really not good. I wish that we would educate with kindness as opposed to just kill someone
0: or do i think censoring artistic expression is you know uh, an option here either you know and sometimes that comes with cancel culture is that we end up you know shutting people down completely without even having an opportunity to discuss it on in a public forum on a public platform that's a problem you know what i mean we can't just we can't shut people down like that right now in the culture i mean There are certainly people that need to be silenced that are voicing the wrong things, but to them it's right. So we need to find a way to, you know, I don't know if it's through education, conversation, or uh, mutually shared experiences, but you know, we've got to be on board to have a healthy change happen. that's, that's the reality of it right now.
1: I agree. And I think it does take everything you just said, having conversations, you know, I I don't know, at least for me, every day I'm educating myself for two hours. I set it aside to focus on, you know, systematic racism and how I'm playing a part of that. And, you know, it's gone from as small as words I've used that are inherently racist that I didn't know to, you know, what I'm doing as an influencer. You know, before my biggest thing as an influencer was, does the product work? Is it something that I really believe in that if I promote and others buy, I'm going to feel good about? That's really what I thought about. But now I'm thinking even bigger. And I'm thinking, does this company, does this company hire, does this company hire influences of color? Does their staff reflect the same ideology? You know, and these are things that As a white person, I wasn't aware And that's how I was being a racist. That's how I was playing part of this. And so I'm really trying to find ways and the vocabulary, a lot of this, you know, lateral oppression, that's this idea that, oh, well, because I'm gay and I've been oppressed, I know what you're going through. It's like, but you don't. And so these are all things that I'm digesting and trying to educate my close friends with first and foremost, because I feel like a lot of the times influencers think they're gods and they get on and they talk and they make mistakes and it's like, no, no. Start with your friends first. So well, start, major, with, major start with group. yourself first and then your close circle, right?
0: Major God complex with high follow accounts and followers the, or, and, and influencers these days. It's unbelievable. It's unlike nothing I've ever seen before. You know what I mean? People have become these God-like figures and maybe we'll get some groovy cults out of it. I don't know. But we could also just be seeing a lot of egomaniacs trying to push their values here. And then we're already seeing it. That's what's happening. So without naming names, without throwing shade, um, I want your thoughts on the most heartbreaking reality in the drag community today. What's the thing that's breaking your heart the most?
1: Um, I think the lack of togetherness, specifically when it comes to our trans brothers and sisters. Hmm. I think, you know, it's been seen many ways of course, m- most people will come to their mind will be RuPaul's Drag Race. That there has been a lack of representation on that show, which I do agree with. Um, but you know, one of my best friends, Gia Gunn, who is transgender, watching her literally go through her transition in my bedroom on mm-hmm. a mattress next to me, and to where she is now, it's just it's opened my eyes to the struggles that the trans community faces, and it's opened my eyes to the kind of white male mentality that it that is very uh, apparent in the gay culture. I mean, specifically like when we think of West Hollywood and the Abbey, right? We think of white hunky men who mm-hmm. are canned, but you know, it, and that's not true. I've, I've worked at the Abbey. They have many, many people who work there and they are working on that. I do believe that. Um, But when you think of that idea, right, you think of those people, and those people are controlling Mm. kind of the media and everything we're seeing in our culture. And, you know, I think this was the first pride ever that it really felt like everyone in the community was aware that the reason we have these rights is because of our trans brothers and sisters of color. And of course, I've known that as a gay person. I was lucky enough to have a gay sister who educated me very early on, um, but not everyone did have that knowledge. And I think because of Corona, everyone was forced to be at home and to see this education through social media. And that has been so exciting to me because it gives me hope. It gives me hope that this platform that has become where we give people Godlike right. you know complexes can also become a place in which we educate one another and have real conversations. So, you know, again, it's all on how you look at it. I think social media is a piece of shit one day and then another day I'm like, no, no, it's amazing and we need it. Absolutely. So, you know, it just depends on, I guess, whose page I'm looking at really.
0: Where, where are um, you getting your information from through all this, whether it is about, you know, the the civil rights uh, confrontation that we're going through right now or whether it's um, uh, COVID-19 related, you know, where do you rely on on the news to come from?
1: Sure. Well, someone I'm following highly right now is Ashley Marie Preston. She is a uh, black transgender woman who is literally, I want to give her a God complex because she is a God. I mean, you know, I have watched so many different conversations from day to day with her and other white people. And the main thing that I've really taken away from her that I think is different than other people who are speaking out on these issues is that she really is doing it with kindness Hmm. and she's telling us like but you're lucky that i'm doing it with kindness because you know people are fed up and they don't have time to educate white people we should already be educated but she does not feel that way she has the time the knowledge and the power and the kindness and compassion to really educate and lead the way and it makes sense because this is this is what has made transgendered you know, people of color so strong. That's why we have the rights because they've always been fierce, outspoken, but kind. They care because they know that if I don't rub these little people's backs while I tell them this information, they know people are never going to learn it. Mm -hmm. And, um, or people are less likely to learn it, you know? And so I just love her for that message. I think that message is so strong and so powerful. And I can just really... I just learn a lot from her. So that's why I'm following on Instagram. Um, As far as my news is going, you know, I do listen to NPR as much as I know there are some questionable things that happen over there. I do listen to it and get a lot of sources and inspiration that I can look up on my own as well. Because again, whatever we're hearing and seeing, you should be doing fact checks. You should be, you know, doing your research. Again, Google Little questionable could also be controlled. So, you know, I mean, I could go down the rabbit hole, the conspiracy series I believe in, but um, you know, I I just think it's important, like I said, to look at trusted outlets and I trust NPR, So that's where I go for that. And then like news, I'm actually watching. I've really been looking at a lot of local news because I've been very interested in LA as a city, which is weird. I've lived here 14 years, never really had that much LA pride or, or, want to look at local news but obviously with everything going on like i yeah. said it's our duty too so i've been watching them all cnn ktla i've even watched the fox because i want to know like the different opinions um and so yeah that's where i'm i'm going to right now for all of that and then of course i've tried to order some books um i'll be honest with you they're sitting on my shelf i'm not much of a reader but I'm trying to get there. I'm We're working get to it. Yeah, I'm working my way into it because, um, you know, it's it's books on white privilege and, mm-hmm. and ways in which we can be having the conversation better. Yeah, uh, I can't think of the exact title. Ashley Marie Preston, she was the one who suggested it. Uh, she had a great talk with the guy from Thirteen. Thirteen. What's the, that show? What the show called with the th- Netflix? They,
0: the Netflix release. Thirteen Reasons. Yeah. I think I, I thought it was just called Thirteenth. We'll check. We'll make sure well, we get There's it. some,
1: I forget. It's all about the kids in high school and people were mad at it because it glorified suicide. Oh, <laughs> yes. I think that is 13 reasons, isn't it? 13 reasons I know about you, 13 reasons something. Yes. Girl, like I said, I'm fully blowtorching a joint over here. Oh, so. I love it. I love it. It's, it's hard to say, but anyway, she had a talk with him who is a white guy who's 26, right? So, I mean, I literally, girl, I'm not even kidding. Girl, get it i just you know i took notes because oh you me. did i really did because again you know i'm i'm given the mic like right now and so read it's like your it's notes a, read a us notes. well a lateral oppression we just talked about of course like performative allyship like so people who are just like posting these things online like that really got underneath my skin mm-hmm. but i've learned to like just, I can't focus on that right now because it's like, if you're going to be performative, then that's fine. That's not, that's not my job to tell you you're that. So just let that go, you know? Um, I don't know, like, I just, I just found so many things that she was talking about. Complicity of comfort, you know, is the most dangerous racism. And and that's what I mean. I'm, I'm very uncomfortable. So I have to understand why I'm uncomfortable and how, you know, how do I fit into this conversation? and how can I just disrupt the illusion around being a nice person? Right. Because that's one thing, like that's big people's fears. It's like, well, I'm not racist. I'm a good person. And if I admit that I'm racist, I'm not a good person. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, that's not true because you were benefiting off a system that Mm -hmm. was racism or sorry, because you were benefiting off a system that was racist. You know, it's only bad if you knew it and didn't do something about it.
0: Right but, And just so, when- so now
1: it's like I know about it, I'm aware of it. Shame on me for not realizing it sooner. but if I don't do something now every day, then that's where you hold me accountable and that's where you become well, you're not a good person. You know, because I, and I think at the end of the day, you have to know if you're a good person or not. I just know. It requires action though, whether it's that
0: self investigation, it's like, it's a daily action that we need to be conducting this go around that we're now confronting it because this has been a legacy of inaction. Right. You know, so at this point, it's like, yeah, you definitely doing the educating, the self-educating, self-exploration is so important, but also being as active as we can. It's hard to know exactly what steps to be taking, but start with going inward and doing all of that examination.
1: Education, educating yourself. I have to read this one. This one I think is Please. We can't heal what we don't reveal. Incredible.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: You can be politically correct and still racist. Uh, So, yeah, I I just, you know, and so it's just moments like that where I really feel like if I don't take these notes, if I don't review them, then it's like, I'm just watching something on Instagram and sharing it. And that's Mm -hmm. performative. You know, you have to really do the work. You have to be willing to order the book. And yes, it may sit on your shelf for a while, but, you know, you have to be, Willing to go the extra mile. If, if so really there
0: are so know. many documentaries right now on these platforms, whether it's Netflix or Crave in Canada or Hulu or whatever. There are platforms that have documentaries available for you to start learning a little bit more about this and learning more about how you fit into it because it is systemic. Yes, that's that's what it and is. We're all a
1: part of it. No, so we're all part of it, whether you're paying attention to
0: it or not. Right. So, Laganja, artistically, art-wise, the artisanal Laganja, where are you getting your inspiration from through all of this?
1: Gosh. Well, I am very inspired by music. As a dancer, music has always really been a storytelling, storytelling, love that one, (laughs) storytelling method for me. And so, uh, you know, like most recently, I just did a, a really cool art performative piece, I guess you can call an art installation that I performed on Zoom, hilariously mm-hmm. enough. Um, and it was like, to this girl, Flavia, uh, her music is incredible, but I was to a song called Them. And it's all about being non-binary. So I was really inspired by her song to make this piece of art about being non-binary myself. So yeah, I, I think music is always definitely an inspiration for me. Um, I do love a good Netflix show. Oh, yeah, I, I, do. I do. So that's, a, that's an easy place for me to get some inspiration from. Um, and then I would say my friends, you know, I'm inspired by the people that I surround myself with. Um, I'm inspired by my mom and dad. They're in their seventies. My dad just had a knee surgery and he's two weeks out and already up and walking and ready to go back to work and counsel kids like what? So that's a uh, pretty hard to not be inspired by my own, my own blood too. So I feel like every, it's, it's just everywhere around me. Lucky, I guess.
0: You're very lucky. You're, you're very, very lucky, very lucky to know that as well. So, my sister, get this, I'm an identical twin. Big reveal here. I told her today that I'm going to be talking with Laganja. I said, you know, I'm very excited. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait. She said, I have one question I need you to get to Laganja. And I said, okay said so what is the skin routine happening here because whether in or out of makeup i am blown away by the luminosity i am blown away by the absolute perfection the immaculate contour of it all what the fuck are you doing to keep it like that
1: well i you know never in a million years if you had told me 10 years ago that one day someone would ask me about my skincare routine girl would be like bitch, please, bitch where? Don't tell um, me it's just water, bitch. Don't tell me. Oh, I just no, care oh no I take care of my skin fully, Like <laughs> fully. In fact, like, I honestly think I have to unplug the computer and fully take you into the bathroom so you can just see how much I care about my skin care. Please do. It's I- kind of a gag because you're not ready for this. I'm going to lose my lighting, which I won't That's love. Fine. That's fine. But, um, I have a mini fridge in my bathroom that I keep my skin care in. Seriously? Oh yeah mama why,
0: why does it need to stay cold.
1: Mama, because if you're using the freshest products, you gotta have that good guy. And you okay, are, so I Go down here and house. Oh well there's toilet paper down, you so get it from, so. bros I on. want to move that so that you don't see the toilet paper so it look more. And how is the mini fridge? <gasps> hold on, I have to hold it. Okay, and now
0: oh! That is the cutest
1: stop it yeah so uh skincare needless to say <sighs> something i'm very passionate about so i will tell you everything that you need yes. to know. let me just sit back down so i can feel gorgeous cuz i was
0: given strict instruction not to accept just water
1: or i wash oh. it every day no i've never understood girls who are like that okay so for me I have used everything. I have gone through every product. I mean, I had horrible acne as a kid. I have OCD skin picking, which is like where you get stressed out and then you go and you pick at your skin obsessively. Like it's not Mm -hmm. just like, oh, well I pop pimples too. No, it's like actually a problem. And I've made scabs on my face and had to cover it up. I mean, that's what I'm telling you. Like when you're like, ask me about my skin and I showed off for a second, it's, it's only because it's one of the things I've worked on. Um, and so basically what I've learned from me, what really works is a few products. You don't need 1 million things, um, and a routine. So it is a lifestyle, right? It's not just a routine that you do every day. It's like, it's literally something you have to be about. Um, and then third would be like, it doesn't need to be expensive. I've tried La Mer and I love it. It is incredible, but it is so expensive. So this is going to sound like an infomercial, but I swear to God, I just love these people. I use everything by Glow Recipe. Mm. Glow Recipe is available at Sephora. It's usually in the $20, 40 to $60 range, depending on the products. Um, I am fortunate enough to have worked with them. That's how I discovered them. I'd never heard of them before. And they use pretty much all natural products. Mm. I believe I found this out recently that there are some fragrances that I guess are... I don't know. I just know for me, it's mostly all natural. So I like that. I'm all about like the organics when it comes to your skincare because I think about like back in the day when people didn't have the money in the recess, how did they have gorgeous skin? They wow. were using natural elements, right? So Glow Recipes, that's what they're based on. So they have watermelon, grape, avocado, pineapple, and blueberry. And that's it. Those are the four main ingredient five main ingredients of all of their products and so they have everything like a toner and a moisturizer and a cleanser um and masks sleep masks but that's really it it fits all in that tiny little fridge they partnered with that fridge company whose name i should know i think it's my mini fridge um (laughs) and and make sure when we air this we'll get it right yeah we should we should because they're a great company and they did give me that so yeah because you know she did not go.
0: we'll put the the slug up here on the screen don't worry
1: you know they partnered with and (laughs) um but no so so yeah i i just i I swear by them i swear by them to the t and you know i wear so much makeup so it's like like i'm the ultimate spokesperson for that like I rarely use the toner. I rarely do. I just take my makeup off with their blueberry cleanser. Mm. I moisturize with the watermelon. I extra moisturize with the pineapple souffle. And then I put the wine uh, or the watermelon mist on at the end. So, really, I only use four. I will occasionally do the masks if I'm feeling extra, you know, fierce or fabulous. But I find when you really do the same, like for me, just use those same four products every day routinely morning and night drink water I don't even eat healthy I eat pizza and fried chicken so, I, love it's you so much. I, I know lots of people believe in like the diet and the watering and all that and I do think that does play a part of it but I don't do any of that I, I mean I do drink water I love sparkling but I mostly drink a lot of soda so I really think it's the skincare I really do like I believe it it is discipline and I, and I really now, I try not so hard to pick at my skin. Yeah. Um, I can recommend to you for pimples, Keels makes an incredible acne spot treatment that I swear by. I think they're really good. Um, my other favorite skincare products that I use are uh, 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 Tatcha, incredible Japanese skincare. They make a primer that I use before I do my makeup and it kind of creates a barrier between oh. face and the and the makeup. So I think that's why a lot of the times the makeup isn't soaking into my pores, is because of the primer. So their primer uh, is called Silk Canvas. And it comes in a cream format or a liquid format. I personally like the cream because I'm a man and have a beard and I really want to like feel it. But like for you, you would love the liquid.
0: How do you two- knock out a man with a beard? Come on now. <laughs> yeah,
1: so two, two pumps and, and just put that all over before you apply your makeup. And I really think that helps too.
0: I love that i'm going I'm, I'm experimenting with things now that I have all this time and uh, to to come full circle today, just to come full circle on this, I have to know we met at the porn Hub awards. Yeah. what kind of porn is your kind of porn?
1: Oh gosh by dot com is my favorite website for sure. I love um, you know men of color with tattoos fresh out of prison. I mean, that's like my favorite fantasy for sure. Um, but I'm very adventurous with porn. I, I like to look at it all, truly. I mean, I've looked at straight porn, I've looked at, well, never girl on girl porn, so no lesbian porn, but. No, I,
0: I, that's not, I don't watch that either. I don't know why. I really. don't it's not my thing and that's fine it doesn't have to be but i have been getting very adventurous and exploring different kinds of word pairings and punching my search engines
1: yeah i mean i love daddy and son i love any kind of fun kinky thing like cheerleader or well not cheerleader because it would usually be like i don't know like gym boy and oh yeah you know any sort of like naughty school play i love i mean i love Uh, BDSM. I mean, I'm super open sexually. So I, I'm down to explore the porn.
0: And when (laughs) I, when I type in drag on a porn search engine, I get some of the top trans performers, but I don't see anything else. I don't see uh, anyone representing drag. I just see, you know, some of my favorite trans performers. And I don't know how or if or if it's necessary like how are we gonna make that differentiation is are we seeing more drag sexual fantasies coming forth because it's more prominent and exposed i I have not
1: seen it and you you i was like wow you found one thing i wouldn't watch like i was so interested in watching drag porn but um i do think it should be made and how would it be different well it would be different because Transsexuals, uh, even if they perform as drag queens, are transsexuals. So you would find someone like myself, yeah. or someone who identifies as a male who is a drag queen, to perform, you know, in the show. Or yeah, in the I think
0: it's the labeling that's wrong. I think that people that are yeah. well, these trans
1: fan. performer, and I was being labeled as a drag queen, I would be, I would not appreciate that.
0: Right, right. And so I mean, I have to also know. I got to know this. Have you been, have you been sexualized in any way in your experience as you're climbing to the top? Have you felt any sexual tension or any sexual prowess because of what you do?
1: I mean, I fully welcome it. So no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm so lucky that I've never been taken advantage of. I mean, truly yeah. another thing that I have been looking into uh, is Pizzagate. So don't get me started on that. I can go down a whole rabbit hole with you there. Um, so, you know, I feel very lucky that I've, I've never been taken advantage of. I've never been in a, uh, compromising situation. I've never felt like, uh, you know, people have wanted me to wear sluttier clothing because that's what I bring to the table. I am hypersexualized. I love it. I feel it. Uh, you know, I feel beautiful when wearing very little. And so I think when you're very comfortable in that way, specifically, even if you're not a woman, uh, that kind of makes people fearful. And so they don't tend to push you in that direction because they know that you have a very clear control on your sexual identity. Um, so yeah, I hope it continues that way. I hope that if I am ever taken advantage of that I'm uh, complicit, is that the word? Yeah, <laughs> and then I'm like actually down for it. Um, but, you know, knock on wood as I do it right here, because like I said, I do think there is such a huge, huge issue with this in our industry, specifically if you're a cis female or transgender. For that matter. So, um, you know, again, I, because I fall under drag queen, I'm so lucky that mm-hmm. I get to kind of fly by these these lanes, if you will, without getting hurt. You know, and that is what makes me so privileged in this way.
0: Gosh, you're a dream to talk to. It's it's wonderful. There's such a chemistry between us. I can really feel. There that. really
1: is, darling. We need feel- to do a little photo shoot together.
0: Fish, it's happening. Fill in this blank for me. Are you ready? It okay. turns me on when someone calls me blank in the bedroom
1: when someone calls my can i change the statement fine okay so ask me again when wait, wait what is it again i'm so high what
0: it turns me on when someone calls me blank in the bedroom
1: it turns me on when someone calls my blank a blank that's what you should ask me So ask me that. You're going to edit all this, right? Of course.
0: It turns me on when someone calls my blank, a blank in the bedroom.
1: Oh my gosh. That is crazy. Um, well, since you asked, (laughs) (laughs) it turns me on when someone calls my asshole, my pussy.
0: Love when you sit when someone says you know what I'm I'm sexually open, explorative, whatever, and then we can have fun with it. I love normalizing conversations and having wow. fun like this. So thank you for chatting today.
1: Oh my God, you have to! I mean, I, I will definitely not be passing this link on to my mother and father. But that being said, um, yeah, I'm all for it, Mama. I love. Sorry, baby. We're
0: gonna I make it look good too. It's gonna look good. Yeah. Look good. Have to. We have to spread the sex love. That's right, it's such a dream. Honestly, truly, I love you. Thank so you. I hope that we can work together. Are you in LA or are you in Canada? I'm in Toronto right now, but I'm moving to LA. So okay. don't worry, it's happening very soon. All this is over. I'm, I will go right now, I'll penetrate it right now. I don't care. You know?